The first order of business is episode one of series one. Can I talk about my favourite episode, Tommy? Which one is that? It's where we go on holiday to London. Do you remember that one, Tommy? <laughs> do you remember that one? I do remember, Arthur. But we are doing this in chorological order. By order of the Peaky Blinders. Let me guess. By order of the Peaky Blinders. Where did she come from? Put her away, Arthur. She's no use to anyone now. Get out! Get out! As you were saying, Tommy. The year is 1919. Thomas Shelby controls the Peaky Blinders, one of the city's most feared criminal organisations. In the first episode, I used the black powder trick and eventually fixed the races for us. Right, Tommy, right. What do you want to go and fix the races with Billy Kimber for? People don't work with me, they work for me. Isn't he dead? We meet Chief Inspector Campbell for the first time. Ugh, you had to bring him up, didn't you, Tommy? I'm telling the story, Arthur. Campbell believed that Arthur was the leader of the Peaky Blinders. I am the leader of the Peaky Blinders. Arthur, we've been over this a few times. Chief Inspector Campbell believed that Arthur was the head of the Peaky Blinders and gave him one hell of a beating. Yeah, he did, didn't he? He got his in the end, though, didn't he, Tommy? Eventually we did, Arthur, yes. We took care of Danny Wisbang by faking his death. That bloody war. I met Grace at the garrison for the first time. You never got over her, did you, Tommy? She was the love of your life. What about Linda? What about Linda? I loved her, Tommy. I really loved her. Don't even go there, Tommy. Don't go there. This isn't going to turn into some sort of therapy. Have you got a plan, Tommy? Yes, I've got a plan, Arthur. We're going to carry on as we have been, talking about each episode. Right, Tommy, right. I like it. Before you was arrested, you was at the pictures with two women. Yeah, it was a good movie, Tommy. What film did you see? I was a bit preoccupied, Tommy. Why aren't you talking about me? I met Grace at the statue room at the museum. She proved that she was an agent of the Crown, which you knew nothing about. There will be plenty of time to talk about you. So, Tommy, how did you fake Danny Wisbang's death? I had him mock executed in front of two Italian witnesses. I didn't shoot Danny Wisbang. I shot a bag full of sheep's brains. In the bleak midwinter. He had shell shock, didn't he? Yes, Arthur. He never came back the same man. Neither did you, Tommy. None of us did, Arthur. Of course, you haven't mentioned the stolen guns, have you, Tommy? No, Arthur, I have not mentioned the guns yet. It was good fortune that we found these guns. The IRA and the King were all after these guns, and we had them. Let me stop you there, Tommy. Good fortune. It caused nothing but trouble. We will speak about that in future podcasts. Shall we head off to the garrison? I don't drink any more, Arthur. What? I've formed a family meeting to discuss the second episode of the first series of Peaky Blinders. I like it, Tommy. I really like it. In the second episode, I bet the family car for a white racehorse with the Lee family. I thought we was going to a fair. No, Arthur. I had business. I thought you lost the family car in a game of two up. You thought wrong. But we did have a fight with the Lees. Yeah, we showed him who was boss, Tommy, by order of the Peaky Blinders. 
Me and my men left no stone unturned. We've rounded up the communists. While our radar got into all sorts of trouble with Freddy Fawn. I found iron prescription tablets for Ada Shelby. You was in Star Wars, wasn't you? Tommy, did you see him in Rogue One, Tommy? I don't care for science fiction. Go on, say the line from Star Wars. Go on. Commence primary ignition. Yeah, you should have got an Oscar for that. May I continue, Arthur? Chief Inspector Campbell received a kiss from Polly because she was pushed up against a wall. I met Polly at the church and made it absolutely clear I was after those guns. I made a meeting with the boss, Thomas Shelby. But I'm the boss. I'm the leader of the Peaky Blinders. Arthur, I can't have this conversation again. You spoke to Polly about me and that Campbell, didn't you? Yes, Arthur, but we strike back first. You don't parley when you're on the back foot. <laughs> parley? Are you a pirate then, Tommy? Ah! I got all the pictures of the king, burned on a huge bonfire, and invited a reporter from the Birmingham Evening Dispatch. I was then informed by Mr. Churchill of your despicable actions down Watery Lane, Thomas Shelby. Guilty as charged. I am a war hero, you know. Oh, I don't get this, Tommy. Isn't this Campbell dead? He is indeed, Arthur. But this is a podcast parody. Right, Tommy, right. I then received a declaration of war from the Lee clan. A bullet with my name on. You was having a rough day, wasn't you, Tommy? Now what about those guns? The guns are not to be spoken of. Ah, here we go again. Where was I? Oh, yes. Grace nearly threw some piss at me while admiring my horse, so I invited her to the races. You see, subconsciously, she never liked you. Tommy, what does subconsciously mean? Never mind, Arthur. I then met Ada at the pictures to find out who done the deed. What deed we on about, Tommy? What deed? It was Freddie Thorne, my best mate since school, who saved my life in France. Ah, up the duff, you mean. Polly then told me off for fixing the races, and I told Polly the realities of Freddy Fawn and his revolution. No, you won't fool the children of the revolution. Nah, nah. Oh, sorry, Tommy. I like T-Rex. <laughs> I chose a tea bar for our meeting and found out you don't even like tea, Thomas. I told you of my plans to expand my business and a new working relationship with Billy Kimber. People don't work with me, they work for me. That's getting really annoying now, Tommy. Your demands were so long that I had to ask you for a pen. I gave you a pen, and then I told you that I had what you were looking for. I was not there to play games. The guns, Tommy. Now you're speaking about. You then made me a ridiculous ultimatum, suggesting I might get a medal. Now, why would I shake the hand of a man who didn't even fight for his country? He's got you there, Campbell, yeah. I gave Grace the beginning, the middle, and end of her mission, Thomas Shelby. While I was smoking some opium in my bedroom, it pained me to do it, but I sent Grace undercover. I gave her a gun, 
and told her to find out about the whereabouts of those guns. The Lees put a bad seed in the horse, Tommy. Got an old woman to put a spell on the horse. That was Curly, informing me that my horse had been cursed by the Lee family. So, I shot my horse. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I then met Thomas at the garrison. I gave him a drink. We spoke about the horse. And then we negotiated. He wanted me for two pounds. But I said I wanted three pounds. To go to the races with him, I must say. I then sang Thomas the most depressing song I knew. We was having a nice drink in the back room at the garrison and then suddenly... Is there any man named Shelby? People don't work with me, they work for me. For the love of God, shut up. Tommy, can I say something? Very well, Arthur. I'm thinking of going vegan. What's brought this on? Well, it's quite a modern thing to do, Tommy. But what I don't get is, how can a burger be a burger without meat? And how can a sausage be a sausage without pork? I have no idea. Let's continue speaking about episode three of series one. I like this one, Tommy. It's one of my favourites. It's up there in the top five. The episode starts off at the garrison. I order a glass of Irish whiskey and three glasses. And I decided I was not going to the races with Thomas unless he gave me an extra two pounds and ten shillings for the dress. I let Grace know that my suits come on the house or the house burns down. By order a Peaky Blinders. Must you say that every episode? By order a Peaky Blinders. Also, Thomas told me that I wasn't dressing up for him, so he didn't mind me looking like a flower girl. I spoke with the two members of the IRA about the missing guns at the BSA factory in the back room at the garrison. One of them sang a song nearly as bad as the song I sang to Thomas in the previous episode. He did give me the two pounds and ten shillings to buy a dress, a red dress. Call her in a red dress. Oh, sorry, Tommy. I like sugar babes. I spoke with Mars about the two members of the IRA from the Black Swan who tried to buy guns from Thomas Shelby. I reminded Campbell that he never served in France, but myself and my fellow police officers did. They are not called spies. They are called operatives. Right. Operatives, sir. So, Campbell, you're not a fan of James Bond. Don't be so ridiculous, it's such a work of fiction. I followed one of the dodgy men from the Black Swan, and I accidentally shot him. Polly told me that Ada and Freddy Fawn had defied my orders and married. They didn't leave the city. By order of Peaky Blinders. No, Arthur. They defied my orders. I told Polly to get Freddy out of town, or I'd do it myself. I had a drink and threw up. It was proper projectile. I had never killed a man before. Polly made an offer to Freddy and Ada. Two hundred pounds and a ticket to New York from Liverpool. I wonder if it was the Titanic, Tommy. That's a good movie, Tommy. It always puts a tear in my eye. I picked up my suit from the Chinese and bumped into Billy Kimber. People don't work with me, they work for me. I'll wave at you from my box. I warned Billy about the lease, and he asked me to bring Grace to Cheltenham. 
There was a strike at the BSA factory caused by the communist Freddie Farn. How hard is it to find the only girl in Birmingham with four-inch heels? I had a touch of the Flanders blues. I didn't like being left in the dark, Tommy. I met Arthur at the church and told him about the guns. We had the machine guns. I then gave Arthur a surprise. And what a surprise. My own pub. I had a conversation with Tom about the strike at the BSA factory. I caught up with Freddie Fawn. He put a gun to my head and told me he wouldn't leave the city. I told him the marriage wouldn't stand. After that, I smoked some more opium and had a flashback of the war. Danny Whizbang and Freddie Fawn. Now it's time for my favourite bit, Tommy. It's the races. I met Grace at nine o'clock in the morning. She looked great in that red dress. Well, me and the lads got ready for the races. John, what's our job? To stick it to the Lee family, Arthur! Let me break this down. The Lee family were going to take over the bookies at Cheltenham Racecourse. Our job was to stop them, as Kimber's men had gone rotten and were on the take. I always wondered, how do you fix a race? How should I know? Gambling's for marks. I then danced with Grace to a jazzy number to tempt Billy Kimber. Was I worth my free quid, Tommy? Every penny. I commandeered his stolen money by order of the Peaky Blinders. We got every penny back from the Lees. Oh, nice dress. You can wear that at my pub. Thanks, I suppose. I spoke to Billy Kimber's accountant and made us a very good deal. This is me, Billy Kimber. I want to dance. Billy Kimber had taken a real shine to grace. So he made it part of the deal. I couldn't believe you were doing this to me, Thomas. I didn't. I made out you had the clap. Ha! Brilliant, Tommy. Episode 4 of Series 1 starts off with Freddie Vaughan and Ada Shelby sharing a boat ride with the Peaky Blinders theme tune in the background. Freddie Vaughan hands his fellow comrade 200 pounds. That's a lot of money, Tommy. Jeremiah the priest then told me about Ada and Freddy returning to the city. We had a problem at a betting shop, didn't we, Tommy? Rather a big one, Arthur. But while this was going on, we spoke to John about a family matter at the garrison. Can't believe John wanted to get married to Lizzie. <laughs> She's the city's bicycle. As Polly said, she never did a day's work vertical. Be careful what you say, Arthur. Tommy, we've been done over. We returned to the betting shop and found out that we had been robbed by the Lees. And that wasn't the worst of it, was it, Tommy? No, Arthur, they left wire cutters. When we gave up the ground to the Germans, we'd leave behind booby traps set up with wires and we'd leave wire cutters as part of the joke. <laughs> That's a funny one, Tommy. Tell me another one. Don't you remember, Arthur? Finn had a very lucky escape. Yeah, it wasn't funny, Tommy. It wasn't funny. Then I met up with the Lee family and proposed a proposition. Let me break this down. I set up a bride from the Lee family to marry John in exchange for peace and prosperity. One love, one love. Let's get together and feel alright. Oh, sorry, Tommy. I love Bob Marley. 
I gave Campbell the information on the man who was given £200 by Freddie Fawn, who was working for the Communist Party. I met Thomas in the pouring rain. I wanted Freddie Fawn. Stanley Chapman was a bigger fish than Freddie Fawn. Charlie Chaplin? I thought he worked in films. He does indeed, Arthur. Stanley Chaplin was the man. No relation to Charlie. We made a deal that I would leave Freddie Fawn and Thomas's sister alone, as if I'd keep my word to the likes of you. I explained to Campbell that once my business with Billy Kimber was over, I would let him know the location of the guns. I let Thomas know that if I were to be fired and it was his fault, I would do things that would shame the devil. I should have shot you there and then. But you didn't. I thought you'd done a deal. You gave your word. My word to who? A peaky blinder. The Shelbys really are doing a good job for us. This is my accountant. So, let's throw the dog a bone. Knick-knack, paddywhack, give your dog a bone. This old man came rolling home. You're not a very good singer, Arthur. I am much better. My songs are so depressing. Gentlemen and ladies. I have in my hand a legal betting license. The Shelby family has its first legal racetrack pitch. This calls for a party. Just don't sing, Arthur. You should never go on The X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. I'm just saying. Don't spoil his dreams, Grace. He has a fantastic sob story about Linda. I really loved her, Tommy. Would you like a tissue, you big girl's blouse? Arthur's arithmetic was something to be desired, so I helped him the way a kindergarten teacher would. My cigarettes smelled like Gallipoli, which is in Turkey, if you didn't know. So your geography is much better than your mathematics skills. Well, at least you have something. Is my adding up right? I'm not your bloody school teacher. We continued our search for the guns. Just cigarettes and whiskey? Me and Thomas went for a walk to the church. I then offered Grace a job as a financial advisor. I'm relatively good at maths, at numbers. Arthur's quite poor. You do realise I can hear you, don't ya? Like I care. I'm dead. She's really freaking me out, Tommy. At least she doesn't haunt you, Arthur. I then met Lizzie and found out she still had a price. The past wasn't the past. Everyone rode her, Tommy. I told John about Lizzie while he cleaned my car. Back at the garrison, I did a toast with Thomas. May you be in heaven a full half hour before the devil knows you're dead. But she is dead, Tommy. I told Thomas that to be respectable, you have to be a limited company. I also installed a telephone. John didn't take the news about Lizzie very well. Well, you were shagging her, Tommy. Who wasn't Arthur? Tommy then explained to John he was going in for married at first sight. What a great show that is, by the way. You like reality TV? But it's total crap. Ismay and John were made for each other. Ada got a bit tipsy at the wedding. That's an understatement, Arthur. She was completely pissed. We've all been there. I told Ada it was enough. Then her bloody water broke. She picks her times all right. We wet the baby's head 
But sadly, Freddy Vaughn was picked up by the coppers. By order of the Peaky Blinders. Are you really that thick? No, Arthur. It was Campbell. I believe a school tutor would do you a world of good. Polly spat at Tommy and called him a liar. A great end to the episode, wasn't it, Tommy? I didn't think it was Arthur, no. I have formed a family meeting to discuss episode 5 of series 1. So, where were we? Episode 5 of series 1. Right, Tommy, right. At the start of the episode, I walk in the cemetery with the Peaky Blinders theme in the background. Take a little walk on the edge of town where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom. Come on, Tommy. Sing it, Tommy. Come on, Tommy. I leave the singing to you, Arthur. I am not a Bee Gees. After the opening credits, Polly visits Ada with fresh eggs and bread. Babies don't have principles, do they, Tommy? No, Arthur. Babies just poo, eat and sleep. You tell Polly you didn't shop for any fawn. It was like talking to a brick wall. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall. I was doing the accounts for Thomas, and he put a black star in my diary, which really annoyed me because I was so organised and I had no idea what this black star meant. Black Star Day is the day we take out Billy Kimber and his men. Now you tell me. I went to the boxing with John, and I met up with my old man. Oh, I missed him. And foolishly, you brought him back home. I told our father to sling his hook. He walked out on us over a decade ago when we needed him. He's still our dad, Tommy. He's a selfish bastard. I explained to Grace that Danny Whizbang was in London and he was working for us. And that he was still alive, even though I had seen his grave. That was a show to satisfy the whops. I put two and two together and realised what was buried in Danny Whizbang's grave. Clever girl. I had a drink with my dad. And fell hook, line and sinker, Arthur. But the casino's in America, Tommy. The problem is, you didn't think. I'm sorry, Tommy. I'm sorry. It's okay, Arthur. Have a Kleenex. (laughs) As I was saying, you made a complete tit of yourself in the boxing ring. But I've seen Rocky, Tommy. The eye of the tiger. The eye of the tiger. You realise that is just a movie. You cannot recreate it if you have not put the work in. But I did. In future episode, don't you remember? Bare knuckles, yeah! <clears throat> I parlayed with an Irish chap and told him anyone who buys a beer is welcome at the garrison. H2O and cordial, what was that about? If you have a drink, you might as well have a drink. I confess that I had the guns available. At the right price. You should have put them on eBay, Tommy. Yeah, eBay. No, Arthur. Cash is king. I met Thomas at the Chanks. He thought he could get one over on me, but not a chance. I can't remember what happens next, Tommy. Arthur gave a lot of money to our wicked old man to start a fictional casino. He is stupid beyond belief. Stupid is as stupid does. 
Oh, and I bet you are going to say next that life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Linda, but couldn't you see it in golden lights? Viva the showbiz. Arthur, that's enough singing for today. Has he stopped? I will take my earplugs out because I cannot stand it. It's so awful. Ah, I'm just finishing my beer. Ah, that's better. I explained to Grace that we were setting up two members of the IRA at the garrison. It was squeaky boom time. I shot one of them dead. It was one of the most romantic moments of my life. But Thomas, you killed the other member of the IRA. I know I did. But we saw each other for the first time. We were partners in crime. I walked with Thomas and shared a fag. I'm going to be sick, Tommy. This is putrid. I was concerned about Grace's welfare. She had been living with beasts. That's a tale as old as time, that one. (laughs) I don't even find you remotely amusing. Anyhow, please spare Thomas Shelby. You have my word. In exchange for Thomas's safety, I told Campbell the guns were hidden in Danny Wizbang's grave. So I resigned my commission so I could finally get my leg over with Thomas. I turned up at the garrison in search for Thomas Shelby and found out Grace was sharing Thomas's bed. It was about time. This is me, Arthur Shelby. How's it going? Well, you know what? I'm the boss. You know that. I'm the boss. Me, Tommy. Yeah, but I'm the main man. That's why I am starting this meeting, to let you know what is going on with the podcast. Arthur, stop right there. We are now reaching the climax of Series 1 of The Peaky Blinders. Climax. (laughs) (sighs) Linda. (sighs) 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 <sighs> That's it, Linda. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <sighs> oh, get in there. Back of the net. Yeah, peaky blinders. <sighs> yeah. Must you do that during office hours, Arthur? There is a clear policy from the Shelby Company Limited. No shagging on the premises. <clears throat> Sorry, Tommy. It just sort of... Slipped out. Let's return to our discussion on episode 6 of series 1. Well, I should think so. It was just getting good, I mean, really good, at the end of episode 5. You remember, Tommy? Tommy, this can't turn into some sort of sex show. This is the Peaky Blinders podcast. I am well aware of that, Arthur. Episode 6 starts with a Chinese man brushing his teeth. I woke Arthur up at the garrison and told him to get bathed and to check his kids and weapons. I then woke up Charlie and informed him today was the day. Fetch the wagons, Charlie. I also woke up John while he was shagging Esme and told him to be finished by nine. Polly then said a prayer that she had said every morning during the war. I assured her it would be for the last time. I did an unspeakable thing, even though I was a special special customer. I was very surprised not to meet Campbell at the museum. Not that I wanted to, but then I was told I was a whore. I picked up the suits for the lads and bumped into Campbell backstage. 
I thought you was here to clean up the city, not to sleep with its whores. Before the day is over, your heart will be broken just as mine. What becomes of the broken hearted? I knew we shouldn't have installed that karaoke machine. <laughs> I like the cheeky girls myself. Anyway, I then informed Churchill I had plans for the Peaky Blinders. This is the day we replace Billy Kimber. This is the day we become respectable. This is the day we join the official National Association of Racehorse Bookmakers. You mean like Ladbrokes or Bet365, yeah. It'll be us and the Lees against Kimber's boys. People don't work with me, they work for me. He's like a bloody parrot. I'll deal with Kimber. Any other questions? Have we got time for a McDonald's, Tommy? Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. We arranged for Freddy Fawn's escape and strutted down the street, ready for war. Danny Wisbank got out his machine gun and scared off the coppers. We had a pint and a chaser at the garrison, but no more. I wanted clear heads. I told Thomas that I would not be here when he returned. I told Grace a pack of lies that the Shelby Company Limited was going legitimate after today's business. Ha <laughs> ha! Kimber boys arrived at the garrison, but we was ready for a fight, even though we was outnumbered. The small heave rifles never lost a fight yet. I want all officers and constables stood down. Let dog eat dog. Let the beast devour each other. And then we shall pick the bones. The barman at the garrison told me something that always stuck. You're bad men, but you're our bad men. This is me, Billy Kimber. Load em up. Take your time. I'm gonna take over this shithole. You know what, Tommy? I enjoyed this moment so much. Tell em, Tommy. Tell em. Hmm. I love your enthusiasm, Arthur. But I know they have seen the show many times before. Kimber dies. Yeah, he dies. How does he die? I can't remember. I shot him over. Right in the head. Let's get pissed. Yeah, let's get really pissed. <laughs> Arthur, let's raise a toast to Danny Whisbang, a real hero. Handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. 